The following audio is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. I want to put some words up on the screen that we can look at this morning as we get into this passage. And I just want you to look at these. Return, reconcile, redeem, restore, regenerate, renew, resurrect, reconcile, recover, reverse. Now obviously, as we have these words up there and even say them out, what they share in common is quickly evident. These are all biblical terms that start with the, I, the RE prefix, meaning to return to an original state, original condition that was ruined or lost. To reconcile is to restore a relationship where there was prior friendship or unity. To resurrect means to become physically alive after becoming dead. To redeem is to buy back which has been formerly owned and taken from you. All of these words talking about this return to this place of unbrokenness. And if we've been going through this series, see what God has done, looking at all of Scripture and trying to come up with these these big picture ideas. What is the Bible about? What has God done? And we end this week with the idea of restoration. We got some new carpet in our house this week, uh, this past week, and uh, Janae and the kids went up to Phoenix, went to be with uh, her parents, and I was stuck in the house all day, had to be there with the workers. They were there for eight hours, and I was quarantined to the kitchen. Uh, That was the only place in the house that I could be, and so all the food is gone. Uh, There's nothing left. I was getting a little antsy, and so I went, and I, every once in a while I took a break, and I just went and hung out with these guys who were just doing the work, you know, these workers putting the carpet down, trying to make up some conversation, just trying to talk with them, get to know them, and I'm sure they love that. I'm sure they really appreciate it. Uh, Between the two of them, they said, they have almost 50 years of carpet installation experience. Still managed to somehow mess up one of the corners in the house, but 50 years of experience of laying down carpet. And hearing one of them talk about this, he said 27 years, just himself. And I asked him, what is it that you love about this? What is it about this job that you love so much that would make you be a part of this for so long? And he said, oh, I love it when homeowners come in and talk to me. And, you know, no, he didn't say that at all. But he said, (laughs) but what he said was really great. And I remember it because it was, I didn't expect it. And it was really great. He said, every job is a new opportunity to make something old brand new to take something old and worn out to make it good again. I feel like I'm an artist, he says. I feel like I'm creating. Every day is something different. Every day is a new creation. Every day is a new opportunity to restore what has been broken. And what a beautiful picture. Restoration is inspiring. It's beautiful when when we see it, when we appreciate it. I hope this show's not on anymore, but it used to be on Pimp My Ride. (laughs) It's not on anymore. It's about, you know, taking, the show is amazing, by the way. They take old and and busted up vehicles, just horrible, embarrassing vehicles, and they make it beautiful. They restore it. They pimp it, right? Flip that house, or even many shows on today that you might even see where they they go into a house and they rehab it, they gut it out. Maybe even some of you do this for a living. You 
you appreciate this. Now, there aren't any shows, to my knowledge, about uh, people walking around the auto mall just buying new cars because it's not interesting. But taking something old and restoring it and making it beautiful rather than just going out and buying something beautiful, there's something wonderful about that. Maybe you've been a part of some kind of restoration project yourself, whether it's been restoring cars or artwork or houses or, or, or something else. When you've been able to take something and say, I can do something good with this. I can bring this back to the beauty that it was intended for. And here is my point. As we finish up this series, this seven-week series called See What God Has Done, looking at the whole story of the Bible and how we fit into it, it is impossible to, to understand deeply the, the ministry of Christ and the story of the Bible without the larger view of God's plan to restore creation back to its good. We're talking about God's plan for the end of the age. We're talking about heaven. We're talking about that final culmination of all that there is. We're talking about what are we waiting for? Isn't that the natural way we would end a series like this, saying, what is the Bible about? We would end with this. How does it end? What does it become? What's in it for us? If you and I, if, if we are not excited about this forever with Christ in a new heaven and a new earth, then we probably don't have a, a good or right or accurate or biblical view of what the new heaven and new earth is really like. You see, if God wanted to destroy everything and just destroy it all and start over, he could have, but he chooses not to. And we even see that he got close. Remember Noah? It's a movie now, so we're allowed to talk about it, apparently. Noah and the flood, he, he's, it got very close, but he didn't. He saved a remnant. He, he salvaged something, a family. He still kept his creation. He spared Noah's family. And God chose to redeem what was broken. And he just desires to bring everything, all of creation, one day into this restored existence. And so our understanding of the Bible and God's work in Jesus goes beyond the idea of just going to heaven when we die. It's not less than that, but it is way more than that. As we think about what does the Bible say and why should I investigate and believe, it is more than just where are you going to go when you die. The Bible speaks of a forever relationship with God that is not an escape from, from all the world, but where human life in its relational and creational context is made good is restored, is renewed, is resurrected. This story in John 5 is meant to give us a, a foretaste, I believe, a taste of that kind of restoration that is to come. John 5 points, paints a scene of, of suffering and incredible frustration. Imagine these five colonnades, like these five gazebos around this big pool, and around this pool are crowds of crippled and sick and diseased and blind and paralyzed people. 
just people laying all around in pain, in agony, in frustration, in sadness. Do you have that picture? It is a pathetic picture, a painful picture, a sad and isolated and lonely picture. And one man that we hone in on here as we see that Jesus approaches 38 years, he's an invalid. He is paralyzed. He's laying there. And you'll notice here, I want you to look in your Bible if you have your Bibles open. You'll notice something really interesting and bizarre about this passage. It goes verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, and verse 5. Do you see that? Now you may notice in your Bible, you're like, what is going on? There's no verse 4. There's not a typo there. This isn't an accident. Some manuscripts include an extra verse in there that is talking, that is giving some context to what is going on, what is happening in this pool. And this verse that is not included in all, in all manuscripts, but some of the later ones, so it's less reliable, but it's talking about this. It's saying that the waters get stirred up, that an angel comes down, stirs up the water, and the first person to dip into the water is healed of whatever disease they have. It's amazing. It's like the real like, fountain of youth, or the real cure. I mean, this happens. They go in and they are cured of their disease. And so we're not, we don't know exactly what is going on, if that is true, but we do know this, that you can hear this frustration in this man's voice as he's talking with Jesus. When Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And he says, every time the water is stirred, I try to get down there. No one can carry me, and so I try to pull myself to it, but I'm always too late, and somebody else always gets in there first, and somebody else is always healed, and I've been here for 38 years You can hear his despair, this repetitive longing and disappointment over and over and over again. And Jesus heals this man. He restores this man's health. And this is a foretaste of the restoration of all things. Have you imagined, could you imagine what life would be like when everything is restored to its good? Look at Revelation chapter 21 verse 4. We'll get into this a little bit later in more, past, more verses, but look at just this one verse. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Can you think about what it would be like for that to be a reality? We can't remember a time when we weren't affected by sin, when we weren't affected by this world. We can't remember. And this will be the first time in Christ's restored creation where there will be no presence of that pain. As for our bodies, there will be an end of physical misery. There will be an end of pain. There'll be an end of death. There'll be an end of all kinds of physical and emotional blemish. As for relationships with others, every relationship that you have will be pure. We will never degrade. We will never use. We will never betray. We will never idolize anyone. We will never be the cause or the recipient of any kind of relational pain. We'll never be hurt. We'll never feel beat down by somebody. 
No one's annoying in heaven. Because annoyance is due to either our sin or their sin or some combination of the both. Some irritation, some relational complexity that is broken. There'll be no personal attacks, no ill-informed biases, no prideful stabs. Can you even begin to imagine what that would be like? And how wonderful that will be. What about our relationship with God, with our relationship with Jesus? We will never do anything behind Jesus' back, even if we wanted to. We would never hide anything for him. We will never feel ashamed in his presence. We will never believe the lie that our deepest needs and longings could be fulfilled in anyone else but Jesus. We will know him as he knows us. Creation, there will be no pollution, no deformity, no defect of any kind seen in any person or thing. Temptation is gone. Innocence is the, is the absence of sin, but righteousness is the presence of holiness. And the Bible tells us that God will never withdraw his holiness from us. There, therefore, there cannot be sin. There will not be sin. And neither will we ever be tempted to sin. There will be no temptation. Even if there were, we wouldn't want it because we would see our sin as it really was. The grief from... Just think about this. The grief of of losing a loved one will be completely gone. The pain of abuse that's been afflicted will be gone. The, The... the daily work of fighting temptation will be gone. The evil and injustice in, in the world will be completely gone. We won't cry. We won't have any reason to cry. There'll be no reason. And not because it, we won't cry because we've become to a mature state of like, well, I'm, I'm able to manage my emotions. But we won't cry because everything that would cause sadness has been banished from our sight. Do you long for this? Do you even know that that is coming? Do you know that this is Christ's work to restore all of creation to this? And why do I do this? Why don't I just kind of go through it? Why do I go through each one like that? Because it's good for us to stop and to think and to review and to meditate, to reflect on this. What would existence be like when everything that is meant to be human is fully what it was meant to be? Very good. Jesus asked this man these questions. Do you want to be healed? To be frustrated no longer? To be well, to be restored? And Jesus makes it very clear, this is what I'm doing. This is my work. And this isn't just some sort of individualistic hope, like something, oh, this is something that we need to get. But it's a a cosmic hope that human life in all of its relational and creational context will be renewed, will be restored to good. And it's not only a future thing, but we see that it has already begun. We have begun to taste the kingdom that we will enjoy with Christ forever. Jesus offers this man a foretaste of that kingdom to come, a foretaste of that reality that is to come. If you've been to a a frozen yogurt place or gelato or ice cream or something like that, you'll probably know what I'm about to say. 
they give you these little sample cups, right? <laughs> Yogurt places, they give you the paper cups, or at Baskin-Robbins, it's the pink spoons, or, you know, at, at, at Frost, it's uh, the clear, really cool-looking spoons. Whatever it is, you go in, and they give you a sample. And now, if you were going in and saying, I want some gelato, and they give you a sample, it is true to say, well, now you've had gelato. And it is also untrue to say, well, now you've had gelato, because that's not what you came there for. Not to get a taste, but to get the whole thing. There's a foretaste of what is to come. And in the same way that the, the Christ is, has inaugurated his kingdom through his life and death and resurrection, he has defeated death. And we live in a context right now, not between two worlds, but actually in both, where the already not yet is present where we are recipients of the blessing of God, and yet we have not fully embraced and received all that is to come. And Jesus, in healing this man, he gives him a foretaste of this renewed existence that is free from physical suffering. And then he pursues this man even further, and he confronts him on a deeper level. He goes even deeper. He gives him a foretaste of of forever with him, free from sin free from physical misery, but now free from spiritual misery. He not only heals his body, but he heals his soul. He tells him, now go and sin no more. He reveals to him the deeper meaning of his restoration. And our hearts should overflow with excitement as we long to walk with God in this restored creation. The restored kingdom has come and is to come. Christ has purchased our healing, but we still groan with sickness. Christ has, has passed, we've passed from death to life, but yet we still die and our bodies still break down. We've been empowered with the Holy Spirit to be holy, but our, our flesh still wars within us and we still sin. We've been forgiven of sins, but we still confess our sins and ask for forgiveness every day. We are citizens of the kingdom of God, but we still are called to be stewards and submitting to the rulers of this world. Every blessing that we have is ours in Christ. That's what the Bible says. Everything that we have is already ours. And yet we come to this inheritance patiently and slowly. And we, we see that this passage, lastly, is filled not only with hope, but with conflict. Jesus willingly walks into conflict. He offends the spiritual leaders to the point of murderous hatred. They hate him and want to kill him. But there is here, in, this, in the midst of this conflict, we learn more about Jesus. I like what Pastor John Piper has said about conflict. He says, conflict is the furnace where the steel of his identity is demonstrated. It is in conflict as we wrestle through this world that is broken and we wrestle with our hearts that are broken where we see that the reality of Christ and his character is demonstrated. And in the midst of conflict, Jesus is saying, I am working. And what is he working towards? He is working to move history, all of creation, towards his goal of restored creation. Let's read the rest of Revelation 21, starting in verse 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with him, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Think of heaven, and what do you think of heaven? See, we think of earth down here, and we see heaven up there. And there will be one day when heaven and earth collide into a new heaven and a new earth, and they are joined in harmonious unity. Sin and all its effects are removed. No death, no pain, no tears, no frustration. And an earth that was once dominated by evil and sin is now dominated by Christ's restoration, His love, and His grace. God will not give up on His creation. He refuses to surrender it. He owns it all and everything in it. Nothing that is good will be missing. And nothing that is bad will be discovered. We are waiting for that. We're waiting patiently for that. And we, so we wrap up this story. We wrap up this series through the Bible and say, what is this about? And we see God's revelation, creation. We see the fall, redemption, our worship and our mission. And then we see this restoration that Christ is making all things new. And we participate in this story by placing our hope not in the things that are breaking down, but in the create the re- restored creation that He is working towards. We place it in Him as the perfecter and object of our faith. We hope not in the pain that we see in our lives, but we see the pain and conflict that is going on right now. I don't know what it is. Right now, maybe you are hurting, maybe you're frustrated and scared and saying, what is going to become of this? And Jesus wants us to hear his words of him saying, I am making all things new. This will not get the last word. I will defeat the bad. I will restore the good. And John Wesley, the 18th century Christian theologian, says it this so profoundly, so theologically, so complex. The best is yet to be. That is the truth of the Bible. And all who trust and hope in Jesus, the lost are found. And part of God's restorative plan and redeeming plan is to restore, to find the lost, to redeem the lost, and to forever punish wickedness and evil. So that the reign of that is abolished it is far from our sight so we trust in christ we place our hope for all that there is in our lives 
on him. We see our conflict not as, we don't, take, we don't say, you know what, he's going to take the bad and make it good. We don't look at it like that. We say, this is bad. I don't have to pretend that this pain is not painful. But this pain is not forever. This pain is not the final word. The victory of Jesus is the final word. And so we patiently long for it. I want to live in that reality. I I want you to live in that reality. Encountering your conflict with faith, trusting in Christ, putting it in perspective, walking by faith, not by sight, knowing that all things will be made new, and Christ is working even now. Let's pray together. For more audio and information, please visit HolyCrossTucson.com.